Mangpur brought up last night in his Dhamma talk, he brought up, you know, the <clears throat> similarity or, of our situation with uh, the movie Groundhog's Day. I think probably we've heard a lot of reference to that. Alistair and I actually watched that <clears throat> right at the beginning of the lockdown. And, uh, you know, really, <clears throat> it's a good, it's a good reminder about how complacent we can get with the, and, uh, and how we engage in our, the ritual of avoidance of truth that everything that's born dies. Lungpurpasana will die. Uh, hopefully I will die before him. <laughs> That could be arranged, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll leave it up to fate. Um, <clears throat> but it's the same, like, you know, with this lockdown, people will lose their jobs. Uh, the center may close forever. Uh, it will happen one day. You know, and it... It's a great opportunity for reflecting and uh, about the truth of impermanence um, and seeing where we're at in the present moment when we bring up the anxiety that things that we love inevitably will be departed from either through our own passing away, our own transition, or its own, you know, this, this, this center has arisen and it's beautiful and it's valuable and, and it belongs to all of us. And one day, whether in our lifetime or not, it will be gone. Same with the Bayagiri, same with Pacific Hermitage, same with our own living being, you know, and living with this uncertainty. There's so much, I mean, there's always uncertainty. Uh, but we can be really complacent about the, the reality of our predicament. You know, that, uh, uh, that we now have an opportunity with so much uncertainty of so many things that we really love and care for. Uh, being uncertain about its, you know, whether it's a person or a building, a community. There's so much uncertainty in our face right now. It's always there. It's always been there. It's just harder for us to ignore it, which is a great opportunity for us to practice with how are we spending our time right now? Where are we? What are we feeding in our minds? Are we feeding the hindrances uh, of doubt? Are we feeding the hindrance of ill will? Are we feeding our fears? And if we wake up to what we're feeding that's causing us discomfort, causing us fear, causing us ill will, causing us to suffer. If we wake up to what we're feeding, are we feeding the hindrances 
sloth and torpor. I'll just pull the covers over my head. <laughs> uh, I'll just eat loads of good food, central desires, you know, anything to avoid the uncertainty of the time. Are we feeding this? In which case, if we are, we suffer. Which, if we recognize we're doing this, this is a really good thing. This is something to, um, you know, take a little bit of refuge in that, oh, I see it. I see what, I do, what I'm feeding is a hindrance, and I can stop this. You know, there's this uh, koan, I think it's a koan, uh, from, the, uh, from a, the Zen school about getting chased by a robber. Someone's, someone's out to murder you and you're running and you trip over the, this uh, root and fall over a cliff and you grab onto a little root that's sticking out of the edge of the cliff. <clears throat> you're down about three feet so the, the murderer can't reach you. And you look down below and there's a tiger, hungry tiger, that's just ready to, to eat you. So you're caught in between, and as you're, as you're hanging on for dear life, you're hanging, 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 you see right there at the root, it's a root of a strawberry. There's a beautiful, right, ripe strawberry right there. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, I didn't pass that koan. <laughs> but the idea, like, if you think about it, you know, do you enjoy, do we, do we take life in the present moment and we focus on what uh, we don't want to the point where we can't enjoy what is actually present. You know, if we can only see this, how do we turn our mind in the present moment away from that which is making us suffer, our doubts, our fears, that we're going to lose someone or we're going to lose something. The truth is we are. We are going to lose everything that's dear to us. We're going to lose it, either through our death or the death of objects or people. It is uncertain when, but at some point, we have to let go of it all and accept the reality of our conditions we were born. You know, that this center has arisen. Um, the the Abai Gary almost burned down a couple of years ago. I remember somebody, had, one of the monks had asked Ajahn Liam, you know, what would you do if the, I think it was a monk, it might have been a lay person actually, but somebody had asked Ajahn Liam, you know, they were very, very worried about Abai Gary may burn, burn down. Well, you know, what would you do if um, what Papan burned down? And he said, well, just build another one. Just start again. You know, <clears throat> at this time of uncertainty, uh, we can, that's so in our face, we can really embrace our practice in the truth of uncertainty and how do we respond? Do we respond with looking for blame on how 
others may be handling their uncertainty in this time? Do we respond by blaming ourselves, thinking that the truth of uncertainty shows that I'm a failure, they're a failure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's just reality. It's the way things are. You know? And so when we see that we're responding in a way that's causing us to suffer a bit, we can turn our minds to the truth of uncertainty and bring up the um, benefit of a sense of uh, urgency, a sense of, I'm trying to remember the word, the Pali word for urgency. I think it's Samwega. I might be wrong. <laughs> so I'll just use urgency. <laughs> um, but anyway, this sense of urgency helps us to not waste our time um, feeding our hindrances. You know, so the sense of urgency around the conditions that may be the demise of this building, say. It could be the demise of this building. You know, it, it can, we don't have to uh, worry or doubt the truth. We don't have to doubt that this building will be gone at one point. We don't have to doubt that the Abayagari will most likely meet its demise within a fire at some point. Um, you know, we don't have to doubt the ending of things. But what we can do then is turn, uh, is bring up that sense of urgency, like how am I applying my mind? What do I want to take care of? What is close to my heart? Who is close to my heart? You know, and am I uh, addressing that in a, in a way? Am I nurturing this sense of, um, you know, protecting that which I love, that which I benefit from. You know, the Buddhist set up a system with his uh, monastics that I, I just find really quite beautiful and that we here at Portland Friends of the Dhamma really take seriously as a part of our practice is if there is not the support it, the inspiration, you know, to keep something going, then it shouldn't be kept going. You know, if you're, if we're really reaching and supporting people's hearts in a way that they want to protect it, that we want to protect it, uh, that, that we're in this together, then it will be taken care of. Um, and if it's not, that's okay. If it's, it's, it's not supposed to sustain. It sustains because it touches the heart. And so we want to pay attention to what touches our heart. Nourish this, protect this sense of, I connect with the Dhamma. I connect with a Dhammic community through this. You know, whether or not Portland for Portland Friends of the Diet, <laughs> Whether or not Portland Friends of the Dhamma survives this uh, transition, this period of uncertainty, look what we've started. Look what we've um, brought to life. We have been, uh, you know, we, we, we were the inspiration 
important for the Dhamma community was the inspiration behind establishing the Pacific Hermitage. Um, so even if Portland Friends of the Dhamma doesn't survive, there is the Pacific Hermitage. It's completely paid off. It's not going, it might burn down, although it's pretty wet out there in white salmon, it probably will burn down. <laughs> One day it will be gone. It's far safer than Portland Friends of the Dhamma is because it's paid off. You know, we've brought a lot of lay people's um, connection, nourished a connection with Abayagiri. Uh, we've nourished that. A lot of lay people's connection with Abayagiri has been nourished through Port and Friends of the Dhamma. Abayagiri is probably not going anywhere during this time. They're completely paid off. You know, so a lot more stability in those places. And so we have given, we have um, spread, uh, we have provided, we have nourished a lot of goodness. Uh, whether or not this building which is not paid off, whether or not this building uh, makes it through this really uh, uncertain times, uh, its benefit will not die. Uh, it lives on. It lives on through the connections of many people with the Bayagiri. It lives on through the connection with many people through the Pacific Hermitage. You know? Now, I don't mean to sound dire because I honestly feel pretty confident that we're going to make it through this, and um, I'm. But I'm not going to suffer over if we don't. Well, I might. <laughs> Actually, let's be honest. I probably will suffer a little bit <laughs> if we don't. But I'll take it as my practice. You know, that will then be my practice. It's my practice now, too. When any doubts or fears come up around, um, you know, this center possibly meeting its demise in my lifetime, when that when that comes up, then I can turn my mind. Um, I mean, I can bring up that sense of urgency that how am I spending my time right now? Am I feeding my hindrance of fears and uh, ill will? or sloth and torpor, you know, well, somebody else will take care of that. No, I'm going to do my best. I am putting all, Alistair and I both, are, and, and many people, putting all our effort into what can we do? Because I love this place. I love this community. I love this practice. I love our connection with the Bayagiri. I love our, our uh, connection that we've been able to expand out with the Pacific Hermitage and the various people that are finding great benefit in this. So I'm doing everything I can. Alistair's doing a number of people. The board is working hard, you know, and, and that feels really good. How am I spending my time? It feels really good to use wisely this sense of urgency that arises in knowing that things, this place may come to an end. It's not a bad thing. If it comes to an end, then that is how it should be. Lungparvasano, um, um, <clears throat> this book, Abundant, Exalted, Immeasurable. Thank you. <clears throat> um, 
probably did have the word right. It is Samwika. I was reading this this morning. And he, he talks about Samwika. Another useful way of directing thought is to the aspect of what in Pali is called Samwika, urgency, the sense that there is no time to waste or to fool around. One of the reflections that the monastics are encouraged to cultivate on a regular basis is the days and nights are relentlessly, relentlessly passing. How well am I spending my time? That's a very useful reflection because it's real. Days and nights are relentlessly passing. They don't pass benignly. Each day that passes, we're older and that much closer to death. That's the reality. I managed to make it through another day, but I still have death as a reality that I'm going to have to face. So that is the sense of urgency, letting time slip by in a way that's frivolous, empty, or just popping up old habit patterns, recycling our trusty companions of greed, hatred, and delusion. Where does that get us? We've all done it. We've all seen that it has, that is not so fruitful. Bringing up those motivations for urgency, aging, sickness, and death, the impermanence and uncertainty of the mind and its moods is a skillful antidote to complacency. It's not something to flog ourselves with and turn into a neurotic obsession, but it's something that is essential in terms of needing to prod ourselves and not waste opportunities. Urgency is not a frenetic quality in the mind. A sense of urgency is a sense of motivation. Yes, I want to get up and I want to get moving. Get up and have the opportunity to use the time skillfully, to develop virtue, to train in that which is peaceful, and to establish my, myself in wisdom and discernment. There is motivations. Again, it's not to turn to urgency into something that has a frenetic or man or manic edge to it that isn't particularly useful, but it is helpful to have a sense of urgencies. And we can just reflect on, you know, this sense of urgency um, is just so much more can be so much more obvious in these days. How are we spending our time? So the sense of urgency around, uh, I just want to encourage people to, you know, not to fret over the uncertainty of times right now, uncertainty of, uh, this center, uncertainty of will this community, as far as a community, yes, as far as a building, maybe not, um, but not to fret over it, um, but to reflect on if this is beneficial, paying attention to what this feels like, and, uh, you know, not um, wasting our time on regret or anxiety, but join in with the fun at the moment, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that we do have to connect with each other and enjoying these because 
they may it may not last much longer you know uh, with our effort it will if there is enough effort um, but if not that's okay that's the way it should be and so you know taking a bite of that strawberry enjoying what's present um, and feeling the benefit of connecting um, with each other in however way we can. I think it's wonderful that uh, Ajahn Sona and Ajahn Sedanto are doing the retreat right now and that they've opened it so that anybody can check in. I thought you had to register in order to be part of the um, meditations and the question and answer, but that's not true. You can actually, if you haven't registered, you can still view it and it's all recorded so you can view it at your convenience. You know, that's quite wonderful to have these kinds of opportunities in such uncertain times. There's so many benefits that we have now that we didn't have before. You know, there's so many ways to connect with each other, to connect with each other at a distance, to connect with the Bayagiri, to connect with uh, Ajahn Suchito through um, Chitters, to connect uh, with Wat Papang and here, there. I, th I don't know, it's probably Wat Pananachat, actually. But anyway, from Thailand, <laughs> from Australia, from New Zealand, there's places, Dhamma, all over the place um, that are accessible. You know, so whether or not this center, this building actually is able to meet its expenses, whether or not it closes and is inaccessible to us um, or it, or, or not, you know, we, maybe we, maybe we are able to uh, continue, which would be fantastic. But whether or not we're able to continue, having this opportunity to check in with so many Dhamma practitioners of this particular family for me at this time is where my heart takes a great deal of delight. And this sense of maybe one thing is... Uh, very, very uncertain, you know, whether or not this building maintained is we're able to hold on to this building. I don't know. But even if we don't, you know, the uh, all the people that we've connected with, all the opportunities that are available to us now, the riches are huge, you know, and the benefits that this place has brought to many, many people over the last 20 years, you know, it's abundant. And for that, my heart is really filled with joy. Um, it's like Mudita is the poor person's, <laughs> you know, riches. It's, um, it's, it's free, you know, I only have to be one person who's happy for all these other thousands of people that have been connected with the Dhamma, you know, through this one place. And, and that just fills my, my heart, you know, because there's so many people that have had benefit from coming through Portland Friends of the Dhamma. That is really wonderful. And that can't be taken away.
you know, so paying attention where the riches and the beauty really lie and nourishing uh, that which brings up that sense of beauty, mudita, you know, the Brahma Viharas. This is where our riches really lie. It's not in the building. It's in the hearts of every person that has passed through this building. You know, so I'm still very hopeful that this place continues. Uh, but this is what I'll turn my mind to when I begin to suffer over those periods of times where I'm really uncertain. Or in the event that it does have its demise during my lifetime, when I feel myself hanging on, not wanting to let go, not wanting to fall into the reality of something has ceased. I'll take a bite of that strawberry you know, and then just let go into the reality. And that's okay, because that's the way it is. The, the suffering comes from trying to hold on to something that's done and past. I just want to say thank you, because I am one of those people that's far out of town now, and I haven't been able to come. So this has actually been a blessing for those of us out of towners to get to participate online again. So thank you for doing that. I'm wondering if you could be more specific on what is the Donna plan these days? Like how do people, how do we contribute or do you guys have like a ongoing, yeah, just tell us more specifics how we can help. Greg's the chair of our development committee and he was for many years the chair of our board. Um, and so he can, he can address that. Yeah, so um, thank you for the question, Laura. Uh, so a letter went out, I know you saw it because you were applying to and, and other people um, may have seen that uh, sort of begins ex begins explaining how our finances are affected by the pandemic. And the, the core um, piece is that about a third of our income, which is about $2,700 a month, is affected by having access to the building and physical access to the building, meaning our renters, people groups that rent from us, and people who put money in the Donna Bowl. Um, and those, uh, those, both of those, have, we expect to, that amount to go down by half. So about uh, $1,500 a month immediate kind of in our income. And um, that's a concern for us because we're already, we're quite tight. Am I coming through? I'm getting a lot of feedback. Am I coming through clear? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and we, that's a concern because we are already very tight. And as an example of that, the board um, and Sekula um, had to work together at the beginning of the year. Sekula um, volunteered to reduce her salary by 16% so that this was before the pandemic so that we could continue to make our budget. And um, now that there's a pandemic, we're having an additional drop. And then as Sekul is saying, or as I'm interpreting, the unknown of it is just how long we're not gonna have access to the building. Right now, our renters are uh, really staying strong. They understand that we depend on that rent and they're paying either full or most of their rents. 
Um, but things are going to change. One of our renters is having to leave, and so that's going to be a big change. Um, our monthly donors are continuing, but people's probably their if this continues, their financial situations will change. And so we're making budget, but it's unknown. And so the the first steps I would say are if you give in the bowl, you know, give online instead, start a monthly donation. Those are that's really the core. Almost half of our giving comes from monthly donors. So if those people continue, if other people join them, then that's the most security that we can get. Um, um, and is the, the sign up for that is through the website? There's a link at the end of that um, that uh, message, the where we stand message, will take you to the right place of the website to make your choices. Great, very good. 